Welcome to episode three of the Switchboard, the podcast here, hosted by myself, Robert West, um, and eventually co-hosted by my wife, Yasmin West. And uh, we're sitting here this morning looking at giving you some more background information and ways to understand a little bit more about your host. So I thought I'd start with uh, topics that uh, seem relevant and happy and important in my life anyway. And uh, the first of those would be movies, because I was raised in a family where people worked in the movie industry, and we had celebrities that ran about the house in the Bay Area, and my, my father worked in television, and, you know, and by the time I was six, seven years old, it was the 1970s, it started showing up in the Bay Area, and the free speech movement was in full bloom, and the summer of love had taken place, and the, the excitement of the times, even for a six-year-old kid, was wonderful, so we would go to... Uh, we would go to events, um, you know, these sunrise services up at Mama Garcia's ranch in Portola Valley, which was owned by the uh, Jerry Garcia family, um, you know, the Grateful Dead. I mean, even at that time, we were still kind of, you know, kids that ran around with bare feet and, you know, long blonde hair. And, and, and we were pretty well, you know, taken care of. But at the other times, we would have to dress up in these kind of three-piece suit type deals and, and put on the really nice shoes and say the proper things and accompany our father to the ABC television studios and, and go through these productions and these uh, welcoming parties and things like that, represent as a family, you know, before we could shuttled off to a corner somewhere so everybody could party and, and smoke dope all night, um, and, which was okay. You know, that's that's the way it was. But it gave me a, uh, it gave me an incredible appreciation for the craft and so as I grew up in life, um, I started to learn more about theater and how the, the workings of staging and how they build stages and how they moved equipment, and how they moved things in and out of the set and how they created special effects. And I was still watching every movie that I could. And like every other kid, I was going out as, and seeing some of the movies as they were coming out and, you know, and remembering which ones left the lasting impressions on me and which ones have left me thoroughly confused. And so to get the point to all your movie lovers out there. Um, I'm still confused by a Stanley Kubrick. I don't know what any of you see in him. Um, I can't think of any one movie, including 2001, worth mentioning for any sort of understanding plot value, character development, or uh, artistic nature that makes sense. I think Kubrick's been messing with us all along. I think most of you have been swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. On the other hand, if you were to talk about John Huston, Howard Hawks, Tony Scott, Jerry Brockenheimer, um, you know, John Hughes, Cameron Crowe, um, you'd get my vote somewhere along the way. You, you may not get my vote for best picture all time, but you're going to get my vote for a pretty good movie in most cases. And so I'm, I'm incredibly honest with you. Um, male actors in Hollywood, in case you haven't figured it out yet, folks, they they come on early as teenagers, screen stars, whatever it takes to, to get in, and then they, uh, they survive a long time, like Clint Eastwood um, has managed to survive, or Robert Duvall, or Robert De Niro, or any of these folks. Um, it's, it's amazing how long their career can keep going because they're male actors. Female actresses come in and get used up by the Hollywood machine. They've been used up by the Hollywood machine since there was a Hollywood machine to use them up. I, uh, that was the purpose. Um, if you wanted to see somebody's sister naked, the easiest way was to get her into the motion pictures. So um, that tells you what I think about some of the, the background of the 
industry itself is, is not all the wonderful, sparkle, beautiful world that I thought it was as a child. I found out more about it later, of course, um, especially working in the industry and how much fun it could be. Um, but it, that wasn't the way of it. But I admired the craft. And so what I noticed was that with actresses, there are these uh, actresses will come on the stage like Linda Darnell in the 40s and they'll survive for 10, 15 years and they'll kind of disappear and that's probably the best thing that can happen to their career because that's their craft life but you've got other actresses through time like Catherine Hepburn for example who uh, well into her 80s convinced us that she could still do a role and, and be somebody else and look like somebody else and you know, today we look around and, and we've been awaiting this motion picture for two years. It came out recently uh, in May of uh, 2022, which was Maverick, the Tom Cruise Top Gun sequel. And we've all been waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. And ask yourself why that is. Were we waiting for it because it was the sequel or were we waiting for it because we knew that they couldn't mess it up? You couldn't make mistakes. You had to put in a cast that well, was believable and likable and friendly enough so we can get away with John Hamm because we, we like him. He's a, he's a good, strong character, actor. And uh, Jennifer Connelly, we, we're going we're gonna to like her because she's just been around forever. And she, she seems to play those median roles. And, and she didn't take away from any of the star power that Tom Cruise brought to the screen. Matter of fact, she got second billing underneath Miles Teller. And ask yourself why that happened, because both Miles Teller and Jennifer Connelly had appeared in Only the Brave, which was the story about the Granite Mountain hotshots. Um, it's an incredibly good movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. You know, Is Maverick going to make one of my top 100 films of all times? Well, I'll tell you right now, for special effects and the way it was done, and it wasn't designed to bleed you dry like a Marvel comic movie, yeah, I'd say it would... Uh, it might make the list of the top 100, but the truth is, no. And not because it's a action war movie or whatever it is, and not because it doesn't have good acting. It has great acting all the way down to poor Bob in the back of the airplane there, played by Lewis Pullman, who is Bill Pullman's kid. Um, it, there's wonderful acting in the movie, and there's wonderful direction, and there's, there's uh, content and character development and a sense of understanding and feeling and, and teamwork that we get as a viewer watching the movie and all of those things are the necessary things but what Hollywood's forgotten is all those things are supposed to be in every movie. So let's get down to real cases when we're talking about uh, movie, movie history and how I'm gonna feel about the media. I'm gonna rip them apart when I think they need it because uh, when we were kids, we didn't have special effects so we had to blow stuff up. We had to make models and blow stuff up and we believed it. And that was okay for a lot of movies. Um, you have the best available materials, information, and you have the most vast amount of talent pool that you can find in the history of our planet, and you still put out junk, just junk. And it's always junk, and it's it's always junk because it has to meet the PC qualifications. If it doesn't have an X character, Y character, Z character, A character, B character, if the male character doesn't look like a fool, if the lead character isn't a female and smarter than every other male in the room, it, Netflix isn't going to pick it up. Hulu's not going to pick it up. Nobody's going to pick it up to make it because it's not making fun of who they want to make fun of. You know, when we need, we need role 
models for people and everybody thinks that our role models should be the same role models for everybody. Well, that doesn't work. Uh, recently, I had this discussion with my wife and I bring this into the film industry because I want to bring it into you as a person when you're watching movies to be more discerning about what you watch because they're watching you watch that and they're deciding on making content based on the crap that you watch. So, but my wife was talking about human design and the human design engine and human design theory. And as always on this show, we try to present things in a helpful nature and a helpful way. So if you're not familiar with the idea, look, look it up, but it's called human design. And basically it describes the way we do certain things and how we do them. And um, it's based on a statistical reference point that goes back thousands of years. Um, and for generalizations about the way people behave, it's pretty accurate. Well, there are tons of variables in every person, and it seems like Hollywood wants you to buy X character, Y character, Z character, and then go moving about your business, but we're not all like that. We're all different, you know? There's a reason why we have DNA setups the way we have it, and to make us all different, because some people, uh, Want to be, are going to be tall and some are going to be small and some women want to date tall guys and some women don't want to date tall guys and some guys want to date blondes and some guys don't and they don't want to worry about hair dyes and the, the point being is because we're all different why do you think that Hollywood should be making us and I say Hollywood but really I mean the industry should be casting us as all being the same people or the same stupid character or the same idiot or the same bumbling oaf that's what we see the most of. And yet, look at the most popular shows on TV. Look at the most popular movies that come out. Strong male role models. Every time. Always. Ask any woman. You know, that's, that's what you go to. And, and people should understand that even if they're not going to them, they still make up about 40% of the audience wants that. And so if you don't uh, ruin the reputation of all the other people in the room at the same time and you just go with the strong male kind of thing. And I'm not talking about being mean, you know, or being a pimp or some sort of, you know, drug kingpin or whatever. I'm just talking about a strong role model uh, tends to be the most viewed. And yet we had to wait two years to get a decent movie like that because you can't count the Marvel movies. You can't count the comic book movies. They don't they don't do it because they don't present the strong role model because the world is a fantasy world. It doesn't work. But it's real easy for Hollywood. It's easy to cast. It's easy to film. It's easy to get through. They can sell lots of toys. They can get you into McDonald's. They've done their job. They're multi, it's called multi-level marketing, folks. It's, it's nothing new. They were doing it in the 40s. They just weren't selling as much stuff. They didn't start selling the stuff until the 50s when the kids started watching the TV at home and they were watching Hopalong Cassidy and that's when they really started selling the games and the toys and the rest of it. <coughs> Did a little work in live theater as well. Did some work in live stage working with uh, rock and roll musicians. I think I talked about that. And so every now and then I'm going to give you an opinion on that. And one of my favorite opinions is for some of you older folks out there. When you're thinking about going and seeing 
rock and roll band that's been around for the last 50 years, don't disappoint yourself. Put on an album, have a glass of wine, smoke a joint, whatever it happens to be, and enjoy them for what they were. Do not go and disappoint yourself. Nothing sounds the same because the equipment isn't the same. Not every member is there anymore. So the things that you remember, the context that you remember, the growing up with Tom Petty that you remember, it's a different Tom Petty. If you're going to see the older version of any band, you're not going to see that band. You're going to see what they think you should and can see now. Point being, go try something new. Find something new. Look at something new. Never put yourself in a position to get disappointed over something that happened when you were younger. It ruins the context of everything else. When our parents told us this, they said, you can never go back. And we were like, what the hell are you talking about? This is exactly what I'm talking about. I've seen Carlos Santana perform twice in the 80s. Nothing nothing in concert could have replaced those two occurrences. If I went and saw him now barely able to play, I would respect it and appreciate it, but it would destroy my memory of the context that I had in the 80s. And this is where we talk about never going back. And in music, you just don't go backwards. And in film, you don't go backwards. Or this is what happens and you create an entertainment void. And things like podcasting pop up and start to fill the void. The void of originality and decent content. Which is what I hope you'll find on the switchboard. It's been a privilege to be your host. I'm Robert West. Thank you.